Greetings, friends and brethren in the Lord. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness. I'm Dawn Noble of Pure Heart Ministries, and I welcome you with exceedingly great joy. Well, as you know, if you've been listening to this program, we are teaching the epistle of 1 John, and I've entitled this program, Truth, Light, and Love, Breaking the Power of Deception. Today is part five. We will be concluding chapter one. But today we will be starting chapter one, verse six. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Whoops. Time to take a spoonful of sugar to help the word go down. That's a pretty strong statement from John. If we say that we have fellowship with Christ and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. What exactly is John saying here? I'll make it simple. If Barbie tells someone she is a Christian where she works, and on the weekend, she goes and spends, spends it with her boyfriend at his apartment and sleeps with him, we have a problem. Number one, she's walking in darkness. And number two, she's not practicing the truth. I'll break it down further. She's walking in darkness because she believes she's a Christian but her lifestyle doesn't reflect her beliefs. She's not married and having sex outside of marriage. That's called fornication. And that, my friend, is sin. You see, what I talked about last week, um, about what darkness means, it means that your spiritual perception is impaired. And you can see that Barbie's spiritual perception is quite impaired. And she's living out of her carnal, fleshly nature, which the Bible says is hostile to God. Now, she thinks she's okay, but it's called deception. So that's why this whole book of 1 John, that's why I've I've titled it Truth, Light, and Love breaking the power of deception. I've got to help you get out of a place of deception because if you're walking in the darkness, if you're walking in sin, and yet out of one side of your mouth you say that you're having fellowship with Christ, that you're a Christian, obviously you're not understanding the scriptures and you're actually lying and you're not practicing the truth. I know that sounds a little harsh, but that's what the word says. So Barbie, this fictional character that I've made up, she's not practicing the truth because the Bible says that when we become born again, our body no longer belongs to us. Our body belongs to the Lord. And Paul writes a lot about sexual sin in Corinthians because 
the Corinthians seemed to have a lot of uh, sexual problems, a lot of immorality, a lot of (laughs) issues uh, in that area. But our body is holy, and it's for his holy purposes in accordance with his word. Now, his word, God's word, the Bible, calls sex outside of marriage a sin. I know in the culture that we live in, that seems like a foreign concept because the culture which television promotes and has promoted for quite a while promotes that living Outside of marriage, having sex outside of marriage is normal and acceptable and perfectly fine. But the Bible says differently. So as a Christian, we have to make a decision. Which standard are we going to live by? Are we going to live by the culture's standards or are we going to live by the Bible's standards? I know that it sounds, um, it just sounds like what I'm saying is not correct. But the problem is that culture has been so invaded by this lie that everyone practically thinks that it's normal to have sex out of marriage, outside of marriage. It's okay. It's fine. No big deal. Hey, everybody lives together. The problem is, as I mentioned, that's not according to the Bible's standards. So Barbie is in deception because she thinks she's okay, but she's not living according to God's principles. Now, I want us to look at a different scenario with a fellow that I'm going to call Bob. Bob is a fictional character. Bob tells his buddies in the coal mine that he's a Christian. He goes to church, even. Yet, after work, when a gang of guys says, hey, Bob, want to stop with us at Billy's bar? Bob says, sure, no problem. And he drinks till he's intoxicated. And he slings around words of profanity with the guys. So when we as Christians say we have fellowship with Christ, but we continue to walk in darkness, hello, we do not practice the truth. All right. Let's look at verse 7. Let me stop there a second. Some of you who really don't want to hear what I'm saying are getting all twisted in a pretzel. And you you are actually thinking in your mind and maybe saying with your mouth that I'm judging people. Let me be clear. I'm not judging anyone. I'm just telling you what the Word says. When your lifestyle does not line up with the Word of God. Hey, when my lifestyle does not line up with the Word of God, I have to have a little talk with the Lord. And he, he 
actually has a little talk with me before I have a little talk with him. So we have to get things corrected. So even though Barbie and Bill are out of alignment here, that's not saying that they can't repent and get things straightened out. I'm just using that as an example to, to help you to understand uh, what these scriptures are referring to, okay? So let's look at verse 7. John writes, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus... The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I want to talk about this word fellowship first. The Greek word for fellowship is the word koinonia. I happen to like that word a whole lot. In fact, I often use that word when I'm talking about fellowship. I just, I like the way it sounds. But this is what what the word koinonia means. It means sharing, unity, close association, partnership, the brotherhood. Koinonia is a unity brought about by the Holy Spirit. You see, only the Holy Spirit can bring this special bond of unity of like believers together. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. Koinonia, what it does, it, it, it cements the believer to the Lord Jesus and to each other. When you are in relationship with Jesus, then it's very easy to be in koinonia with your brothers and sisters. This word fellowship, koinonia, it denotes a deep sense of spiritual unity, of spiritual communion with the Lord and with each other. Now, a beautiful example of this we find in Acts 2.42. So if you have your Bible, I'm reading out of the New King James Version. You can turn with me to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Now, verse 41 talks about how 3,000 souls have just come into the kingdom because of Pentecost. But Acts 2.42 says this, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Who is they? The 3,000 souls that just came into the kingdom. These are brand new believers. And it says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. In other words, they are um, staying in close unity with one another, hearing the word preached and taught, and they are in the apostles' doctrine, that's the word of God, and fellowship. And in the breaking of bread, they're eating a meal together, and they're praying together. In other words, these new believers devoted themselves to fellowship and breaking bread with one another and really walking in this koinonia. So, if we say we have fellowship with Christ, 
yet we desire to live a life contrary to God's principles, it's not the truth, and we are kidding ourselves. So, let's make that clear. If we say we have fellowship with Christ, if we say we are a Christian, yet our desire is to live a life contrary to what God says, then it's, it's a lie. We are lying. We're deceiving ourselves. It's not the truth. We're just kidding ourselves. But, 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 but if we walk in the light, remember Jesus is always light. If we walk in the light, in the truth, as he is in the light, then we can have true unity with one another. When we walk in the light, the blood of Jesus has cleansed us from all sin. Now, fellowship has to do with our communion with Christ, not our union with Christ. Okay, let me make that clear. Fellowship has to do with our communion with Christ, not our union with Christ, which is sonship. When we get born again, we become a son a daughter. We have sonship. We're in union with Christ. But fellowship has to do with communion, coming together on a daily basis, having intimate time with the Lord. So our daily fellowship changes, but our sonship remains the same, okay? To obey Christ is to walk in the light. It's really that simple. This is not rocket science. To obey Christ is to walk in the light. To disobey Christ is to walk in darkness. If I am doing my best to walk in the light and you're my next door neighbor who says she's a Christian, only goes to church willy-nilly, has guys over on the weekends, I am not going to be able to have true koinonia with her. She's walking in darkness. She's not practicing the truth. She's in deception. Okay, verse 8. John writes, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 6.11. And it says, And such were some of you. Now, if you look back up at verses 9 and 10, the such were, some of us were adulterers, covetous, covet, covetous, idolaters, fornicators, thieves, homosexuals, extortioners, drunkards, and such were some of you, Paul writes. But, it's a big but, you were washed, but you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. When we were born again, our sins were covered and washed by the blood of Jesus. Okay? We were declared 
completely the Lord's property, sanctified. I'm set apart. I'm his. He's mine. And I've been justified. What does that mean? It means I've been declared completely not guilty of any past sin. Wow. But does that mean that we will never sin again? No. The penalty of sin, you see, is taken care of when the sinner trusts Christ. Christ. But the power of sin over the daily life is another matter. Christians do sin. But does this mean that they must be saved all over again? No. Sin in the life of the believer, what it does, this is, this is important. This is a foundational thing, okay? Sin in the life of the believer breaks their fellowship with Christ, but does not destroy their sonship. How does God provide for the sins of the saints? Through the heavenly ministry of Christ. Because, you see, we're saved from the penalty of sin by his death. Romans 5, 6 through 9 tells us that. And we are saved daily from the power of sin by his life. Romans 5, 10. Okay, let's look at verse 9. John writes, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay, let me help you here. The Holy Spirit represents Christ to us here on the earth. And Jesus represents us to God in heaven. His wounds testify that he died for us. And therefore, God can forgive us when we confess our sins. The word confess, I like this, it means to say the same thing. So to confess sin means to say the same thing about it that God says. Keep in mind, this is important as well, keep in mind Christians do not, do not have to do penance make sacrifices, or punish themselves when they have sinned. There, there were saints hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago who used to flog themselves because every time they sinned, they would just beat themselves. Look, every sin has already been taken care of at the cross. Does this give us a give us a license to sin? Absolutely not. The Christian who truly understands God's provision for a life of holiness does not want to deliberately disobey God. It's that simple. That's the key. Does not want to deliberately disobey God. Verse 10, John writes, If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. 
I have heard and I have read teachings that say that we do not have to confess our sins because they've already been taken care of at the cross, past, present, and future sins. We do not have to confess our sins. Now, there are popular, and I mean very popular, TV preachers who teach this stuff. Maybe you listen to them. Maybe you have been fed that hogwash, but I assure you, you you are being fed a lie. Repentance. Confessing of your sins to the Lord. Acknowledging that you have missed the mark. See, the word sin in the Greek is the word hamatia. And it means literally to miss the mark. Like um, if you were playing a game of darts and you miss the bullseye, you've missed the mark. That's what sin is. You've missed the mark. You just blew it. Repentance is such an important part of a believer's life. It really, really is. Let me tell you a true story. This is the story of Mother Basilea Schlink. She was a German spiritual leader and co-founder of the Evangelical Sisterhood of Mary. And this was a community dedicated to uh, Christian literature and a radio ministry. She was born in 1904 and was a prolific writer of books, pamphlets, and hymns. And you can go on Amazon.com and you can find her books. But the story I want to share with you is a simple story. It, it's it's uh, about the sisters who had a garden. They were tending a garden. And they noticed there were lots of pests on the vegetable plants. And they recognized and realized that um, this was their belief that they needed to go back into the convent house to confess their sins, to repent. And when they did, each of them went back in and repented of their sins the bugs disappeared, literally. They did not have to use any kind of chemicals or sprays or anything. They didn't have to put anything on these plants. The bugs disappeared. So about a week later, they went out and there were some bugs back. And by the way, how they got rid of the bugs initially before they recognized that repentance made the bugs disappear is that they would hand pick the bugs off the plants. You talk about a tedious job. I'm a gardener and an avid gardener. I can't imagine picking off bugs by hand. That would take forever. But the Holy Spirit revealed to them that through repentance, these bugs would go away. So, as I mentioned, the bugs had gone away, and uh, about a week later or so, 
They were out tending the garden, and they saw bugs again. There weren't as many bugs as the time before, but there were some. Well, they decided, hmm, time to go back in the house and repent. And repent they did. And guess what? The bugs disappeared. You're probably asking yourself, why are you telling me this story? I'm telling you this story for a reason. Because repentance works. It works. And I can tell you that in my own life, we have had these stink bugs in our house for the last, I don't know, four years. Last year they were or the year before last, they were really, really bad. Last year, they weren't as bad. I was killing probably anywhere between 40 to 50 a day. And I said to the Lord, well, there must be some issues I need to repent of. There must be things I need to take care of. Because I want my house to be a holy habitation of the Lord and the Lord's presence. So I asked the Lord, and he showed me some things, and I brought it before the Lord and repented of it. I have many less stink bugs, many, many, many less stink bugs. Now, I can't swear to you that, you know, this is the whole reason, but I can tell you, well, let me jump back a minute. In the fall, before we actually, you know, closed all the windows and doors because it got cold, um, on these warm, sunny days, our house was, like, covered with these stink bugs, especially, like, the sunny side, uh, the west side, where the deck is. Oh, my goodness. There were so many stink bugs. They were all on the screen door. I mean, it was—all I could think of was, oh, Dear Lord, it's going to be horrible this year. We're going to have so many stink bugs. I'm not going to be able to tolerate it one minute. So ahead of the game, that's when I began asking the Lord. And of course, I also must confess that I do plead the blood of Jesus over my home. Nevertheless, that may sound all like a silly story to you, but I know that repentance is important to just really bring before the Lord anything that would break my fellowship with him. That's important. And sometimes there are hidden sins. There are sins that are down deep in there that we, you know, either for whatever reason we don't want to deal with, uh, they've been too painful to deal with, or whatever. But we've got to get the junk out. We've got to get all of that stuff settled with the Lord, because we want to walk in the light as he is in the light, so that we may have true koinonia with one another. That certainly is my desire. I want to have true koinonia with my brothers and sisters, and I want to walk in the light. I don't want any darkness in me. I don't want a drop of it in me. So I would encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit, is there any darkness in you? Is there anything that you need to settle with him, repent of, so that you may walk in the light as he is in the light? 
Hallelujah. Confess your sins. He's faithful and he's just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I hope you didn't find that my stories um, too silly, but I know the story about Mother, Mother Basilea Schlink is a true story. Now, again, my story about the stink bugs, well, who's to say? I just know things are better, and I'm happy for it. And I'm happy that I'm, I'm walking in the light. So I look forward to being with you next week. We will be starting Chapter 2 of 1 John. And I encourage you to go to the website, www.pureheart.today. Sign up for the newsletter. Email me. Call me. I'd love to hear from you. With that, this is Don Noble. Shalom, shalom. Peace be unto you.